Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. That understanding works for you, so therefore it is absolutely right for you. All beliefs have become only relatively true, and of course to the world, religion is just some personalized experience, not a divine revelation, and the church is catching the disease. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh, man, Zilla. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here. Ooh, this is Wretched. Radio, uh, you might be person A who thinks that was a terrible Elvis impersonation, or you're person B who thought that was an awful Mr. Ed impersonation. See, this is where you're both wrong. That was Mr. Elvis, the talking horse impersonation, and I don't mind telling you, I think I nailed it. Would you please, please send sermons, stories, articles, questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. You can even, <laughs> and it's unassailable, but if you'd like to critique my Mr. Elvis impersonation, give it a go. Without you, we would not find stories like the megachurch pastor who claims that prayer regrew a woman's amputated toes. How would we know about such things if you didn't send them to idea at wretched.org? I wish I were making it up. It was a week of power. The healing occurred as pastors Bill Johnson and Randy Clark led services. Oh, Bethel was involved in this shenanigan. I see. Quote from the pastor. Oh, no, this is Bill Johnson. Who cares? Her injuries included the need to have three toes amputated. She serves on the prayer team. The Lord told her that the Lord wanted to grow her toes back tonight. So she had to take off her shoe and anointed and had her toes anointed where each of the toes would be. And she began to pray. This is the pastor of this shenanigan church. The skin began to change color. Pretty soon there was a pulse in the foot that she could feel. All of a sudden, she said, are you kidding me? And they saw that toes begin to grow as the ladies prayed for the next 30 minutes all three toes grew okay so here's what we got toes growing out of an amputated foot for 30 minutes maybe look it could happen where both of their cell phones had dead batteries it is maybe they didn't have a cell phone. that is a possibility which would explain why there's no evidence of any of this, Bill Johnson repeated the claims at his church on Sunday, stating this, Jesus heals the inside as well as the outside. Well, he most certainly does, and he can, but we do not see signs and wonders like this. We have not seen one authenticated, full, instantaneous, organic healing. And by the way, the 30-minute routine would tell you that's that's now all we see in the Bible. When Jesus healed, boom. The only miracle, which was an object lesson, the only miracle where it was not instantaneous, when Jesus half healed the blind man. But it was to demonstrate in a physical way the spiritual reality of the eyes of the disciples. You're kind of fuzzy. You don't quite understand. Pretty soon you're going to get it. And 
then pretty soon they saw the transfiguration. Other than that, instantaneous, 30 minutes. G, uh, Bill Johnson said, the Lord once recreated a kidney for a friend who was missing a kidney, which he claims was verified by x-rays. Show us the x-rays. Quote, I have friends who have seen an amputated or lost foot grow back. Now, maybe it is possible somebody's got to win the lottery. The odds could exist that these people didn't have a cell phone or a camera either. Or the x-rays, maybe the x-rays when the kidney grew back is lost. We don't have that. This is so bad for people. This sets people up for false hope. Why doesn't God grow my toes back? I need a kidney. Why doesn't he give it to me? Oof, this is this is wicked business. This should really cause us to be... Mm. She doesn't have a before photo of her feet, and she hasn't allowed public examination. Nevertheless, we are told, don't be mean to this woman by asking for evidence, because that was the response of the pastor. <laughs> Listen to this. You're going to find this disgusting, and rightly so. I was this guy before God saved me. This, this really? would be the type of lying, ridiculous defense of something that I told that was inaccurate. I know this smarm. I was this smarm. So I'm an expert in smarm, if you will. This guy's got plenty of it. People are saying if it's genuine, then why aren't you doing anything to publicize it? Uh-huh. Why not encourage a lot of us? That would be fun to see toes growing back. There are a couple of reasons. I'm less interested in proving to people what I know God did than I am in protecting sheep who are vulnerable. Oh, so he's doing it for the sake of the woman. I see. I'm going to protect sheep. This is this is my first concern. I'm I'm actually if you thought my Mr. Elvis impersonation was spot on, this is killing it. This is my first concern. If that bothers you, then I'm sorry. If you were in trouble, you'd be my first concern, too. Ike, a built a fish, Larry. Without you, we wouldn't get stuff like this. I, maybe I just gave you motivation to never send anything again. Idea at wretched.org. All right. We start with Tom this week who says, Tom. Jimmy, do you need some toes? I, I, <laughs> you got them all? I've got them all right now. I understand you've actually got two extra, <laughs> Well, which you, seems a little selfish, <laughs> but nevertheless. Yeah, have you seen your toes? <laughs> I try to keep them covered. You know, I got to tell you, moving to the South, I love so much about it. The number of months men and women wear sandals. Mm, Not so much. <laughs> it's the pollen and the open-toed footwear. Other than that, it's a great place to live. Idea at wretched.org. All right, Tom is uh, wanting to know. He said, Todd, recently my family and I went to our favorite restaurant and were confronted with our first person who believes they are transgender. And though we're all introverts, we decided to stay and not make a scene, but the meal was extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. As Christians, what do you think the best way to handle these encounters should the be? The best way? I, I think there's a panoply of responses. There's there's a menu of choices. See what I did right there? You you could do what you did. I think that that you could speak out, but I'm not sure that I'd actually address the elephant in the room. Because remember... 
the the transgender presentation that is merely an external fruit of a much more corrupted root the person needs the gospel and so maybe this will help and believe me i und- i understand this is kind of new it is shocking and we know the agenda behind it but unless this individual is one of those who is trying to corrupt children and lead children to mutilation tables they're the harvest field. The, 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 these are the people who need the gospel, whether trans or not. When somebody comes to your table for service, you have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And I will tell you from experience, it's getting easier to do that. I'm not kidding. was just reading some story. I've got it in my pile here that wait people notice that people are ruder to them than ever. Restaurants are understaffed. And maybe they're not trained as well. What, Whatever. So people are getting agitated with weight people to the point where they're acknowledging, hey, people are getting really nasty post-COVID. Now, whatever. The reality is, if you're nice, you stand out. And we, I love engaging weight folks. I just, when they, when they come to the table and they just say, hey, can I get you guys anything to drink? Sure. What's your name? What, who are you? And just engage them. You look for a tattoo. Ask them about the tattoo. Where do they live? Just engage them. And I'm telling you, you will have an opportunity to share the gospel. And if nothing else, should you happen to have a gospel booklet available at wretched.org, when you're all done and you've been nice and you tip them as well as you can, hand it to them. Hey, you know what? Thank you for such an enjoyable evening. I, I sure wish you'd read this if you get a chance. Have a great night. It's an opportunity to witness to these people. So no matter what presentation the weight person gives you, see them as the harvest field and send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. Okay, wait a second, Jimmy. Uh I want to tussle this out for a second. Okay. Would there be any value in saying, um, you say your name is Jenny, but I think it's really Jerry? Uh, No, probably not. No. I don't think that's going to advance the gospel. That's my goal. It's not just, okay, I got an opportunity here to express how I'm feeling about all of this business. That's, uh, and furthermore, remember the distinction. You've got people who become aggressive advocates. They're enemies of the gospel. They are evil people trying to do wicked things to little children, boys and girls. That's one group. The people who are following them and they are feeling now free to express themselves, what they feel on the inside, they're just another lost sinner. That's all they are. They're just another lost sinner. And how glorious will it be in heaven? (laughs) Unlike unlike the toe healing miracle that didn't have any photos, what if there's a photo in heaven where this waiter or whatever it is, Waitron, would see so hey look at this photo this is what i used to heck i used to dress like this and look at what jesus did to me now he's made me like this how glorious will that be this is wretched radio sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very very happy this is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby courtesy of an ultrasound from 
preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Yet without our amazing gospel partners, we would not be able to do what we do. And so for that, we're genuinely grateful. Listen to what one of our listeners, Rebecca, wrote in and said. She said, your show has helped me better understand my faith more logically and theologically. Now, seriously, that's only because of your ongoing support, gospel partners. We thank you for that. Also, we're members of the ECFA, meaning that we're totally open, we're totally transparent, and totally accountable to you guys. We honor your gifts with faithful students stewardship, and no frivolous ways. Trust me, we're so serious about that. We got to bring our own toilet paper to work. Okay, maybe not. But listen, we're not flying around in private jets. We're not taking private car services or catering in fancy meals. We make sure every penny you give goes directly to good use. So if you've been thinking about continuing to stand firm with us, we would be eternally grateful. Visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry, 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Books of the Bible. Philemon was a Christian and fellow worker with Paul. His slave named Onesimus had stolen from him and run away. By God's providence, Onesimus met Paul and became a Christian. Paul sent Onesimus back with this letter, urging Philemon to forgive Onesimus and treat him as a brother in Christ. This letter is a grand example of the gospel in action. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Right there. In my never-before-nicotine-stained fingers, this is Wretched Radio post-pandemic rudeness. It's all the rage, apparently. Oh, Lifeway isn't the only people. Lifeway aren't the only people? Hmm. To poll about just about everything. This is the Institute of Customer Service polling 1,000 customer service workers. Half of the employees experienced increased hostility from customers. Courtesy of COVID, they think. Nevertheless, we see it. Don't we? People are rude. 
People treat people who are serving us. That's what's happening at a table. Now, I know you could say, well, we pay them, so we're kind of the boss. They're the employee. Well, wait a second. How is the master to treat the servant? Be gone. Get my Coke Zero immediately. I'm not going to make eye contact with you. No, that's not the way that we're supposed to treat anybody. And yet, I got to tell you, I see a lot of Christians treat white people that way. Breaks my heart. I've been out for meals with Christians, and I'm kind of surprised. You know, they sit down, they got the, the menu in front of them. The wait person comes, hey, my name is Stan, and I'm going to be taking care of you today. Nothing. Don't even turn to look at him. Mmm. Zoinks. Is that what they're feeling? It could be the understaffing. I get all of that, but I'm just telling you observationally, uh, if you are just nice, you have an opportunity to witness to people. And you also have an opportunity to send questions, comments, conundrum, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. This comes from John in Hawaii. Todd, I was recently listening to your show about uh, women pastors and elders. And, you know, I looked at 1 Timothy 3, where it mentions the husband of one wife. And so I got to looking further and couldn't find anywhere where a husband was ever a woman. So doesn't that mean that an elder pastor would have to be a man? It seems to me it would be the opposite, that you don't have the descriptor that if you're a female pastor, you need to be the wife of one husband. So to me, unless I missed what, well, you know, from Hawaii, I'll tell you, you smell a lot of that coconut oil and that (laughs) might do it to you, Jim. Just saying. I think just the opposite. By the way, do they still make that stuff? Coconut oil? Oh, yeah. I think so. You see, 50 years ago, the the goal was with with the the tropical oil was to get you baked. Hmm. Now it's to block as much as you possibly can. Don't worry. You can trust the science on everything. I think the fact that we don't see for women pastors that they can only have one husband as being yet another support that the role of pastor, it is limited to men. And please, let us continue to bang this drum loudly. It is not second-class citizenry for a woman to be relegated to only teaching women and children. There are many times when a woman teaching a woman can teach in a way that it lands better than when a man teaches a woman. This is, it's just, it's just a gender thing. And and. I, That sometimes a woman being able to express, hey, I know exactly what you're feeling like right now. So let me help you walk through this as opposed to hearing a man say it from the pulpit. This is is an honor and this is a needed dynamic inside of the church. So please, madam, don't think that God is thwarting you, that he's limiting you. No, he's given you a particular assignment and it is glorious. And so it is when you send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, whether they smell like coconut oil or not, to idea at wretched.org. <laughs> All right, from Julie. Uh, Todd, recently, uh, w- me and one of my friends uh, got into it. Did a you deb- just say me and one of my friends? Uh, yeah, well, I'm, okay. just, I'm just reading the oh, email. That was you. No, no, no. <laughs> but Julie says that uh, she got into a debate and. See, uh, if you loved me, uh, yeah. Jimmy, <laughs> you would have just changed that. Okay. To I. Yeah, recently one of my friends and I got into a debate regarding the justification of the usage of mind-altering drugs and medication as a Christian. We specifically talked about the usage of antidepressants and medical marijuana, and my side of the debate was that if a drug or medication caused you to lose control of, over your mind and caused, or caused you to sin, that it, would, that it couldn't be justified for medical reasons. 
Wondering your thoughts. Well, this is a very big subject with about a million applications. Got to be super careful because there are times if people are experiencing such pain and medication is given to relieve that pain, it might have a temporary effect on their thinking. And I would not say that that is a bad thing. I would say that that is an act of kindness. Now, if you're talking about a drug like the devil's lettuce that alters your thinking because it's just fun or I'm figuring out a way to cope without actually going to the Lord, I'm going to a dealer, even if I have a an approved medical marijuana card because you need comfort and I just need to alter the way that I'm thinking to just cope at the moment. Yeah, that's that's idolatry is what that is. And that, that would be a sin to intentionally go about the business of a, having the effect of consuming too much alcohol, whatever the delivery mechanism is, then that would be a sin. But we do want to be careful that if some medications for the greater good have the effect of perhaps dulling the senses for a bit, I, I, I wouldn't call that a sin. But you can Certainly express your opinion, idea at wretched.org. All right, moving on to Cedric. Todd, I'm 18 years old and would very much like to be married early in my ch- in my adulthood. Well and I know the proverb says, who uh, whoever finds a wife finds a good thing. But I fear that I may have idolized the idea of a wife and family and want these things for selfish reasons. So I decided to combat this. I wanted to dedicate uh, my life to my singleness to God. So that my hope and comfort is in him alone. But I'm having a difficult time knowing how to spend my singleness. All right. There's two huge issues there. Do you recall the podcast earlier this week from Greg Gifford, the Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford podcast? He helped remind us that emotions, feelings, desires, they have degrees. And I I can't think of one that isn't both sinful, can't be sinful or sanctified. Is it good to want a good wife? Of course it is. Now, if your wife, this image of a wife, becomes a need, that's James 4. Well, then look out, you're in big trouble. You've now turned that into an idol. So I wouldn't say the response to wanting a wife really bad is necessarily to not want a wife and I'm just going to be single and apply myself to that. No, I think you can keep pursuing a wife. You can keep desiring a wife, but don't need that wife. You don't need that wife. This is one of the hardest lessons any married couple will ever learn. You do not need one another. You want one another, thumbs up to that. But the second you need somebody else, you've crossed the line into the territory of idolatry. And you're going to be heartbroken because idols always break the hearts of their worshipers. So keep desiring a wife. Keep pursuing a wife. Seek a wife. That's good. Just don't idolize a wife. Now, should you choose to stay single for a bit. What does that look like? It means you get plugged into your local church and start serving there a lot because you've got the free time. That's the the gift of singleness. It's a debated thing. Does, Does God sometimes stifle the libido of an individual? Is that the gift of singleness? I could be. It seems to me the scale would tip more toward If God hasn't provided a spouse for you, then you have been given the gift of singleness. It's not like you are made up a certain way. Now you have a clock issue. You have more free time, not to play more games, not to get better at riding a skateboard, but to serve in the context of your local church. Idea at wretched.org. 
All right. Our next question comes from Chance, who says, Todd, what exactly is a fundamentalist and why is it often perceived in such a negative light? Yeah, it's it's it. Well, the world doesn't like fundamentalists because it's it's a light that shines in their darkened eyes and it stings. You've got to take a look at it historically. Let's go back to about 1900, give or take. You had people who are fundamentalists and you had a bit of a range there in that you had people who believed in the fundamentals. So. I'm a fundamentalist in that regard. See, semantic range can trip us up a lot. Jimmy, he's a fundamentalist because he believes in the, you are too. But there is a group that is identified as being fundamentalists, specifically independent fundamentalist Baptists, and they are square on the fundamentals. That means they're brothers and sisters. They do have a tendency to have some laws, some rules, that I, I think are adiaphoran, that I don't think are the black and white issues. I think they're conscience issues. Now, this is, for instance, uh, well, King James Version only, alcohol, movies, etc. They, they have some... I, I want to do this right because I love my fundamentalist brothers and sisters. I really do. And I, and I don't want to choose a word that would cause them to go, oh, you're just a jerk or... They've got some, let's just, I mean this in a good way, some peculiarities regarding rules. Uh, they're, they're, they're independent fundamentalists. And so there would be some evangelicals who perhaps would mock that or look down on that and call them legalists when they're just trying to be obedient. So fundamentalist has a really big range, which maybe is the fruit that we can take out of this question. When you are in a conversation with somebody and you're talking about these issues, you probably cannot ask the question, what do you mean enough? Somebody goes, ah, oh, you're just a fundamentalist. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, you just don't want people to have any fun. Well, I'm not sure what that has to do with fundamentalism or now you just want uh, women to wear skirts all the time. Well, no, I'm not. You've, you've got to ask because of the semantic range. And it's not just the word fundamentalist. It's pretty much... Every word these days. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break. Here on Wretched Radio, I'm Jimmy Hicks. First up, if you ever wanted to combine children's toys with adult entertainment, <laughs> Build-A-Bear, oh, they've got you covered because they're now introducing the RuPaul Drag Race Bear. But don't worry, don't worry, folks. They're not trying to groom your children or anything like that. It's just good old-fashioned family-friendly fun with a side of sequence and sass. In a recent interview with Joey Reid, a trans activist declared, quote, God made me in her image. God made me transgender. You know, that just makes me wonder if they found a lost book of the Bible that the rest of us are missing out on. Got to be like the book of Transviticus right after Leviticus. <laughs> okay, Tennessee, a panel discussion with the woke anthropologist didn't go exactly as he had hoped. The good doctor made the claim that you cannot tell men's and women's skeletons apart. Unfortunately for him, swimmer Riley Gaines was there and she was armed with common sense and basic biology. And in the state of California, activists are now saying $5 million in reparations just is not enough. Pretty ambitious if you ask me, but they're asking for a million dollars per year for life, free college and free housing. <laughs> that just seems like the kind of thing Gavin Newsom 
is going to think is brilliant. Also in California, kindergartners will now be reading about transgender kids for the Transgender Day of Visibility. Why? Well, they say it's in an effort to increase understanding and acceptance. But quite a few parents not too happy about it because it's kindergarten and all. But this is progressive California. You know what they say, before children can learn their ABCs and 123s, they just gotta master those LGBTs. <laughs> Speaking of trans that's pretty much what all these stories have been about today. Trans activists recently in Washington, D.C. staged a die-in protest, whatever that means, and it came just hours after the trans-identifying shooter killed six people in Nashville. Talk about perfect timing. I mean, who wouldn't want to capitalize on such a terrible tragedy? You know, to further their agenda. Completely disgusting. And lastly, Florida's Attorney General Ashley Moody has informed the state Supreme Court that there's no right to abortion. It's refreshing when we see people stand up for the sanctity of human life. Who knows, maybe we'll eventually get to the point where the unborn are granted the same rights as trees. And that's actually, sadly, a true statement. And that's been your Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation means a wrath-removing sacrifice. Jesus bore God's wrath on our behalf, and in return we receive His righteous standing before God the Father. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Jimmy, if you'd kindly jot that note down, that would be terrific. This is Wretched Radio. I do not know why we don't get to this. We keep threatening it or promising it. It depends on your perspective to do a week of mailbag questions, and we just never get to it. We've got so many good questions, so many good comments, so many good conundrums, so many Snarks, send to idea at wretched.org. One of these days, Jimmy, just make a note, put it on a post-it, and we're going to get to that. In the meantime, send stuff to idea at wretched.org. All right. Uh, we continue with uh, Sharice, who says, recently, I visited Fort That's Sup- probably a form of grace. Chiaris. Okay. Would be my guess. Okay. All right. Grace. So just call her Grace. From Grace, who recently visited Fort Sumter in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And uh, the park ranger recounted its Civil War significance, uh, she said, in the history. And uh, while she did, she used the phrase, and then they elected the tall, skinny guy. Me? Now, that's what she said at first. I thought they meant you. But no, they were avoiding using President Lincoln's name. Hmm. I was stunned, saddened, and wondering how best we as Christians can respond to this erasure of history. Well, well, in fairness, Grace, I I don't know that that guide was doing that. Maybe trying to be colorful because everybody knows the tall, skinny guy is Abe Lincoln. Maybe. So... If, if it were something that bothered you, sorry, I'm having a flashback to Harvard tour right now. As, just ask the tour guide. Um, you know, I'm just curious. You described Abe Lincoln as being the tall, skinny guy. Was there a reason you chose to not use his name? Not accusatory. Just ask the question. If it's something that troubles you and if they're like, well, they're just some people who are offended by it. Well, I, for one, am actually offended that you wouldn't use his name. So consider that the next time you're giving a tour. Thank you. What's that cannon over there? By the way, Fort Sumter, you got to go, man. It is a great tour. You got to take a boat to get out to it. You're going to learn about cannons. 
Oh, oh, so cool. We took a tour at Harvard two years ago, something like that. I, I can't recall. And this very energetic young lady was going to be our tour to give us an historic tour of Harvard University. So she walks in. She's been super, very sweet girl, totally pleasant. And she stands, she sits, stood up and, she, okay, everybody gathered around now because we are in front of the oldest building on the campus of Harvard University. In 18, whatever it was, only white males were allowed to, and she launches into this equity and diversion sort of history tour and the number of people now who are this versus that, and went on and on and on and mentioned nothing about the building, nothing about what we were looking at. So after she goes on for about seven laborious minutes, I'll never forget <laughs> a guy in our group. <laughs> She said, does anybody have any questions? You're going to tell us about that building? <laughs> <laughs> Idea at wretched.org. All right, this is from Russell. Todd, in the same vein that hatred is murder in the heart and lust is sexual sin in the heart, could covetedness be considered theft in the heart? Well, don't ask Dennis Prager. I kid. I kid. <laughs> Did you see Dennis Prager with... <laughs> Jordan Peterson, oh, yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a panel of big thinkers. And the, the only one that I heard, it was a, only about a 10-minute clip, so I didn't get to hear everybody. Oz Guinness, I thought, shined like he tends to. Uh, but, but Jordan Peterson and Dennis Prager talking about lust and pornography? Oh, it was just so heartbreaking to listen to because Dennis Prager said that as a Jewish person, it's a work-based system, which he has always said. Now, it isn't a work-based system. Ju right Judaism has never been a work-based system. It can't have been a work-based system because that would mean God changed his mind and plan between the Old and the New Testament. It's always been by faith. That's what Romans chapter 4 is about. Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. So the laws of the Old Testament, Dennis loves to think that he can keep externally without worrying about the internal. Does that remind you of a whew, scorcher that Jesus gave woe to you, scribes and Pharisees? You clean the outside of the cup, but inside you've got dead men's bones. Woe to you. Dennis, who's a bit of a Hebrew scholar, he loves to teach on the Torah and the Ten Commandments is his favorite subject. He said that Judaism does not concern itself with internals. Therefore, committing adultery of your heart is just off the chart. Well, it's not because there are a lot of rabbis who would say, no, thumbs down on lust because it corrupts the inner man. It doesn't allow you to be the man that you are called to be as a Jew. So Dennis kind of, I'm sure he could find some sort of rabbinical support for his view. But if he would just grab a concordance and read over 600 verses in the Old Testament that talk about the heart. How's about David's penitentiary psalm? Created me a clean heart. If God doesn't care about the heart, why did David care about getting a clean heart? Because he knew it was a dirty heart. Why? Because the Proverbs are riddled. Every, every book in the Old Testament has Genesis 6. The thoughts and the intentions of the heart were wicked. Well, who cares? So God destroyed the earth because their thoughts and intentions were wicked. Furthermore, these are the two aspects you see about the heart. In the Old and the New Testament, first of all, God does care and he does judge by the heart. Jesus was not being a 
rogue rabbi by saying, you've heard it said of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. I say, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Um, that comes out of the 10th commandment. That comes out of covetousness. That comes out of the hundreds of verses that talk about the nearness of the heart and the actions. They are not far away. Those are the two aspects of the heart. God judges it. God is concerned about it. God cares about it. And our actions come from our heart. How could Dennis miss that? You have to want to miss that. Jimmy? Yes. Would you, would you be so kind to, just for the sake of the tens and tens of people listening to read that email. I knew I was going to go off on this screen about Dennis Prager. Yeah, Russell was wanting to, he said, in the same vein that ah. hatred is murder in the yep. heart and lust is sexual sin in the heart, could covetousness, covetousness be considered theft in the heart? Yes, I think that's a, that's a really great observation. Hmm. Because the internal, it, it's not as bad as the external, the actual acting on it to do it. But that is what is what what is in comes out. So if you're stealing, it's because you're coveting on the inside. Steal on the outside, covet on the inside. Lust on the inside, you are going to act on it on the outside with another person, with pornography. Your 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 heart is not far away from your hands. Idea at Wretched. That's a good observation. Mm -hmm. Russell, idea at wretched.org. All right. From Michelle, uh, Todd, how would you view someone who affirms the deity of Jesus, death and resurrection, Trinity, salvation by faith alone, and the rest of the essentials, but firmly believes that the unredeemed will, yes, go to hell, but will not spend eternity there as they will be ultimately destroyed? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. As is the case with what you would have to probably say is, well, if nothing else, it's it's on the borderline between a primary and a secondary. Why isn't it one or the other? Well, because historically we've thought of the fundamentals as being the five solas, for instance, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, revealed in scripture alone, glory of God alone. You believe that, you're in. You 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 understand these things correctly. Those are the basics. But what about something like denying the eternality of hell? The reason that I say it could be a primary issue is because I do believe that it is a compromise of the character and the nature of God. First of all, we see Jesus. This is, again, Matthew 24. He's talking about it's a perfect parallel. Just as heaven is eternal, so is hell eternal. It is a Greek. It is perfect parallel. One is eternal. The other is eternal. Furthermore, the reason that hell is eternal is because the offenses against God are worthy of eternal punishment. Why? Because his character of goodness and righteousness, it is infinite. Therefore, you assault that, your punishment is infinite. If people get snuffed out, annihilated, these days they're calling it conditionalism. It is, an, in my opinion, you're, you're taking a shot at the character and nature of God. Now, if somebody being grilled on it is like, yeah, well... The reason that I believe in conditionalism is because, you know, God, you know, infinite in his character and, you know, taking people to heaven eternally. I'm not so sure. Now we got some concerns. I suspect most people don't think about it that way. So for most folks, I suspect it would be considered a secondary issue. But I think it diminishes the gospel. I think it diminishes the eternality and the omnis of God. And I just don't think it's biblically supported. Idea at wretched.org. All right, from Sebastian. Todd, does someone have to tithe to God if 
they don't have money they receive from a job. How can you give if you don't got nothing? You would have to find it somewhere. I know this is a little bit controversial. I know that some folks, Dave Ramsey, teach that you should keep giving even if you're in debt. I say you're you're in an unmanaged debt, not a secured debt, managed debt situation, but an unsecured, unmanaged debt situation. You got nothing to give. And, and you're sinning by going further into debt. Instead, be a faithful steward. Get out of debt. Work as fast and as efficiently as you can to get out of debt so that you can start giving. Because if you don't got, well, you can't give. With all due respect to those people who teach otherwise. <laughs> Dave Ramsey. Please send whatever you want to. Idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Question, are you tired of the same old boring TV shows? Well, there is something that's not like anything else on Christian TV. It's transformed and it's back for season number two. You get to be a fly on the wall as you witness real biblical counseling sessions tackling issues like depression, anxiety, OCD, and others. These are real people with real issues being offered real solutions by our hosts, Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson. So if you're looking for something different, you know, a show that glorifies God and demonstrates the sufficiency of His Word, then Transform is for you. It's a -a one-of-a-kind production that provides the hope and relief that only the Bible can give. The world is full of hurting people, even Christians, and many are completely unaware of biblical counseling and the answers it can provide. So join us for Transform Season 2, the show that will transform your walk with Christ and leave a profound and lasting impact on your life. Get your hands on it now and also consider grabbing the Sunday School curriculum for your church. You can find it at transform.org or the Wretched store at wretched.org. So you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. Then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God It's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor. Wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. Names of God. 
learn a lot about God from the names given to Him in Scripture. One name is Jehovah Sitkenu, the Lord of our righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 tells us that God made Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Not one, but two numbers for you to jot down. This is Wretched Radio. Whatever's on your mind, call us. Jot down the number, one 282 beep You think something wretched? We'd love to hear your dulcet tones, one 282 beep Here's the second number you might want to jot down, especially if you're going nuts with insurance. 844-34-BIBLE. Call the nice people at MediShare. I'm telling you, they're nice. I've never called at MediShare and been yelled at or put on hold for an interminable amount of time. Or, ah, what do you what do you want with your health issue? No, they're super sweet people. Careful, this might be a little awkward for you. They'll even pray with you. Perhaps you could spend two, two, two minutes with them discovering how much your family might save monthly with affordable biblical health sharing. Customer satisfaction rate, huge. Teladoc, check, check, check. Call 1-844-34-BIBLE. Talk to a nice person at MediShare. Discover what your family might be saving every month. And then you can call 1-877-282. Best Bible verse for capital punishment is Matthew 18. Jesus said it's better that a millstone cast around their necks and cast into the sea could that verse be used to say this would be an illustration that God is okay with somebody being punished for sinning? Absolutely. But I'm not sure the context is explicitly about capital punishment. Jesus was preaching and Jesus was talking to people about salvation, and he did an object lesson. He called a little child, put it on his knee. By the way, this is something I think that maybe gets glossed over. Do you remember when the disciples were all agitated that Jesus was loving on the kids? He was a rabbi, and children knew you don't go near a rabbi. You treat a rabbi respectfully. What was it about Jesus that attracted little children? There had to be something, and you can't help but think about, come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, for I am gentle and lowly at heart. He must have been massively approachable. But fast forward to Matthew chapter 18. Jesus takes a child, puts it on, on his lap to say, this is, what a, this is what a believer needs to look like. Humble, uh, trusting. And then he goes on to say, if you cause one of these little ones, now, he wasn't actually talking about children. He was talking about a believer. If you cause them to sin, it doesn't say physical harm or you commit a crime, but you cause them to sin by bad teaching, keeping them from the truth. It's better that a millstone gets tied around your neck and you get dropped into the water, which pretty nasty sounding. In other words, it's a big deal. But I'm not sure that I would use that as an explicit verse to say it's supporting capital punishment. Context is king. 
While there can be so many applications to one text, we must understand the context and the import and the meaning because there's only one meaning to every verse. One meaning, multiple applications. Hello, Mr. 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 Friel. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Um, my girlfriend is currently a kids ministry coordinator, uh, director, whatever you want to call it. Hey, hold on. <laughs> Well, what you call it is kind of important. At our church. And she was actually wondering if there is a uh, actual difference between a children's ministry director and the word children's ministry pastor. Maybe, maybe not. Let me explain that. Because the the, the name is one thing. The, the, the activity is another thing. So you've got to consider both of these things. I do not think that whatever the activity or the office is inside of the church, whatever, whatever the responsibility is, should be called pastor if the woman is a woman, (laughs) which, you know, women are. I well, I have to clarify that because these days. So I don't think that that title should be used regardless of what the activity is. So um, book organizing pastor. You mean the librarian? No, it's the book organizing pastor. You shouldn't be using the name pastor because it causes confusion. However, if the activity, even with a different title, call it communicate, what, uh, what was activities director or the kids event coordinator, whatever it was, if you're doing the activities of pastor, that too would be a problem. So the, I, I would suggest that you keep clarity in both of those realms. Watch out for the title. I don't think there's anything wrong with coordinator, organizer. But what is the coordinating? What is the organizing? What is that office or responsibility entail? Is it teaching children? Is it teaching teenagers? Is it teaching young adults? That's where it starts to become a problem. Remember, a woman can teach kids. It's and, and I know that it's a little bit gray because every boy progresses at different rates. But when a boy becomes a man, well, then all of a sudden you've got a usurpation of that office and role and the gender distinctions that God has set forth for us in First Timothy 2. So be careful on both of those things because both of those things matter. Let's let's just be clear. Can a woman lead the organization of the youth ministry? Yeah. But let's let's not call it pastor, and let's make sure that her activities do not include the activities of the pastor. Hey, Todd. Uh, I recently come to a fork in the road where uh, there's two different directions of ministry that I feel drawn towards, that I feel excited to do, uh, but I, I believe it would be too difficult to engage in both one being college ministry to uh, pursue that on a, a fairly large college campus, and the other one to pursue a degree in biblical counseling. Just wondering your thoughts on pursuing two godly goals. Nope, you're not going to get them. Why? Because both of those pursuits are most excellent. So what should you do to tip the scales if you can't do both? I say you read the Bible. How does a man live How must one apply himself to the glorification of God? Ask for godly counsel. Pray for wisdom, not for the answer. Don't lay out a fleece. Don't say to God, all right, Lord, give me a sign. Should I go to biblical counseling at the Master's University or become accredited at biblicalcounseling.com with the ACBC? Uh, Two of the people who are involved with Transformed. 
which is available at wretched.org. Pray for wisdom. What should I do? I, Lord, I, I, I want to be as obedient as possible. I don't want my motives to be wrong. Get yourself some godly counsel. Consider your preferences. Make a decision. And that is the choice you should make. Because then you will be in God's will. You say, but what if I choose the wrong one? You, you, you can't. In a sense, you can choose the wrong one if you're like Jonah and you're doing it sinfully. But if you're trying to be faithful, Lord, I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. Do whatever you want me to do. Just help me to be wise. I, I want to be as used by you. I don't want to be a clay pot used for common use. So, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me good godly counsel. And then help me to make it with the decision with the right motives. You pull the trigger on it, and that's God's will for your life, and you get on it. Now, here's why. Uh, you you maybe are feeling conflicted. So you go to biblical counseling and it's like, oh, what if somebody would have gotten saved if I were on the campus? Oh, no, I made the wrong decision. No, you didn't. Even if you made it sinfully, you didn't make the wrong decision. Why? Because nothing is the wrong decision outside of God's will. You are always in God's will, even when you're being disobedient or deciding sinfully. Now, that doesn't mean you have license to do those things, but if you follow those steps and you make a decision, you can be confident because you have been faithful in the process. Your motives have not been sinful. You are in God's will. So if I were counseling you, sir, I'd say, you decide. Both of those sound most excellent. Now, what might be some of the considerations? You could consider impact. You could consider the expense. You could consider the location. You could consider the impact on your family. But that's up to you to deal with in the context of your local church with godly individuals. Pull the trigger, having done those things, and you are in God's will. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of comfort in that. Hello, Mr. 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 Frio. Uh, I have a question. Should we as Christians prosecute those who commit crimes against us? For example, stealing something like out of your car or robbing your house. Should we prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law? I know what you mean. You and, you and I can't, but you can pursue prosecution. And I think actually you should. Now, would I say it's a sin not to? I, I'm not sure I would go that far. But the government realm is a jurisdictional realm to punish bad people. God has assigned them as ministers to do that job for the ordering and functioning of a flourishing society. And so if we thwart that in some way, because we're thinking, well, it's, it's turning the other cheek. Well, you're not offended by it. You can forgive freely and quickly, but I don't think you're sinning by saying to the government, do your job. This person took my stuff. Do what you got to do. Son, we forgive you for this. We'll, we'll even come to prison if that's where you go to help you. We Let us know about your family. We'll assist them. But you've stepped outside of the boundaries that the government has put around you, and now you are going to feel the effects. Take them away, officer. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>